Amen. So how many are, you don't have to raise your hand, how many are, it's a rhetorical question, how many are reading with us every day? If you don't know, we have a, an app, it's New Life Church, LH, and you can download that app, and then every day at the bottom it says reading, and it's just one chapter a day, and it's so simple. Um, but what it does is, um, I know probably some of you already have your own kind of devotion thing you do at home. I have my own as well. But what it is, is it's good for us to, to corporately be reading together because we're kind of on the same page. But I think there's a real special anointing on it because we're doing it together. And it's something that Pastor Steve's had in, in his heart. I had it in my heart. And we felt it was right when we came together and talked about it in our meeting. Yes, this is a good thing. And so I know there's other churches that do it and probably other Bible readings that you can do. But I would just encourage you to be on the same page with us. Let's do it corporately. And I don't know if you've noticed, but my husband writes something every day. Every day. And they are very amazing, very deep. And, uh, of course, it comes out of his spirit, the wells, and he usually does it between midnight and six o'clock in the morning. I don't know when, <laughs> but he gets up in the middle of the night and, and that's just the Beerman way. And, uh, but that's where that wellspring of life is. It, it, it just bu bubbles out of him and the Holy Spirit gives him such wisdom. But it's not just for him. I just wanna say, we can do it too. And he's leading, he's leading the pack that way, but we can do it too. We can get, we, we don't have to get up at that time, that hour, but I'm just saying, Let's write a little something on there and just, you know, even if it's one line, just something that you got out of that reading that day, just an encouragement, whatever. If you can, if you, I'm not, you know, putting any heavy on anybody, but it's a good thing. I've not been real diligent with it myself, but it's good to get on there and just, you, it's amazing what comes out of you when you start writing. When you start acknowledging what you just read and you start asking yourself, what did I get out of this? Instead of just kind of skimming through it. Uh, it actually makes you think about what you're reading about, and you actually produce something. Something is being produced out of you because you're expecting it, right? So anyway, I just wanted to put that little plug in there. I'm going to start out with that picture. Do you have that picture, I hope? Yay. There it is. So what I want to talk to you tonight about is active faith. I don't know if you can see that little person on the left there. That's my sister, Bobby. And uh, she's sitting in our garden that we had. We lived in the Midwest, and there was a farmer who his wife was um, needing to have medical care, so they had to live in the city, and he didn't want to let go of his farm. So we rented his farm, and we had cows. Well, he had cows, and we had he had chickens, and we took advantage of all the things that were there because we rented the property. But we had, I don't know how big our garden was. I would say it was at least a half an acre. I, it, was pretty, it was pretty large. And um, we were, I was probably under, I know I was under 12 or under because my dad was still living. So anyway, um, can you put that picture up again? So what I want you to get, do you see how big that cabbage is? It's probably about this big. <laughs> They're huge. That's just one example of some of the harvest that came out of that garden. Our tomatoes were probably this big. We used to eat them like apples. We'd just pick them and eat them. Um, of course, we had the advantage of partaking of, you know, he would slaughter cows and all that stuff. And, and it was just a wonderful way of living. We lived off the land. Um, but all of our harvest was like that. And we didn't know that much about sowing. 
you know, producing this kind of stuff. I don't know if my parents even really knew what they were doing. Maybe my mom, we didn't have the internet, we didn't have Google, and we didn't have Siri to ask. We didn't have anybody to ask <laughs> at that time. I, I think they just, you know, did what they knew to do. Uh, I know my grandparents on my dad's side, they also did a little bit of that. But my point is, though, is what they did do was they sowed some seed, and every day they, they tilled the ground, they sowed the seed, and every day they looked out for the weeds, watched out for any worms that might try to attack whatever we had sown. But we had a harvest like this every time. And it wasn't so much that we were uh, having to become great farmers. We just did it. We just did what we knew to do. And we were patient to wait. Now, we didn't produce those kind of cabbage overnight. It took some time. It, you know, we'd go to bed at night and we'd get up in the morning. And that was our job was to go out and pull the weeds. And we'd go out and, and do, and it was a healthy way of raising kids, I think. We also had to, I remember my dad would cut the, um, the acre down in the middle with the push mower with no electricity or whatever it's called, power behind it. We pushed it. And uh, I took one side and my sister took the other. <laughs> and we worked. We did it. Um, my point here, though, is I, in our reading this week, we read in Mark 4 about the parable of the sower. How many remember that story if you didn't read it? And I was just thinking about it, how important it is that we are sowing the word of God in our lives. This is the foundation of our faith. You know, and I don't know how many here are, are experiencing this, but I was thinking tonight when I was getting ready, you know, probably every one of us are believing God for something in our lives, have been believing God for something, haven't really seen a full manifestation maybe of some things, maybe have been frustrated in our faith, maybe we've given up, maybe we keep asking God, you know, God, when, when, God, when, why, God, why, why is it taking so long? Oh, Siri is like, heard her name and she's doing all kinds of things. Anyway, um, so... And our faith has sort of waned or wandered or been squandered by whatever it is we've been going through. Every one of us go through these times. No matter how, uh, how well you know the word, how long you've been in this, how, how much you, you read, how much you pray, every one of us are uh, tempted to, to give up or to relax our hold on things or to relax our confidence. You know why? Because we have an enemy. The enemy comes to do what? He comes to steal, kill, and destroy. He comes to steal our faith. He comes to, to try to um, cause us to give up, and he wants to destroy the faith that we have on the inside because of circumstances, right? And so I just saw some things. Do I have my Bible? I was going to use my Bible tonight. Can you believe that? My real one, <laughs> the real deal, one of them. Um, because I was reading in it today, and I had written some notes previous that I thought were really valuable to kind of uh, feed into what I'm going to talk about tonight. But I want to look at, um, let's see, I want to look first, I don't know what order I gave her uh, these to her, but I want to look first just very quickly, I'm not going to go into detail, but the parable of the sower, and it talks about, you know, sowing the seed into the soil. Of course, the soil is your heart. The soil is your heart. And there's two things that we have to have to, to have active faith. One is we have to be sowing the seed in good soil, which is your heart, which brings believing. We have to believe 
And faith comes by what? It comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. So we hear the word of God. We put the word of God as seed into our hearts, and that causes us to believe, right? If you never hear anything, you know, we know the stories in the Bible, how they had heard about Jesus. He had done miracles. They had heard. They had seen things he had done, and that caused them to believe in him, right? That caused them to have faith in him, right? And so it's important that we're in the word of God. We're planting that seed into our heart. But there's four different kinds of hearts, four different kinds of soil that the word is talking about here. I'm not going to read it all just for a a lack of time because I want to get into some other things. But the four things were the first one was the hard heart. And the hard heart was the seed that falls on the roadside. They never really believe. They never really believe in anything about the word, about Jesus, about his healing power, about his power. The second one is a shallow heart. It's the seed that falls on the stony ground. And this signifies the people that hear the word of God and receive it with joy, but there's no root to sustain them. And so they wither. How many know some people like that? Oh, praise the Lord. Yes, that's awesome. That's what I've got. That's what I'm going to have. And might be some... Uh, service where the Holy Spirit is moving, people are excited, and that, yes, that's mine, and they, they get out, and the moment some kind of storm comes their way, they let go of what they believed, because the seed has not gone down deep enough. Um, at, at school, at, at Bible school, we called them flakes and nuts, because <laughs> they just didn't get a hold of it enough. There wasn't enough soil for the seed to go deep enough for it to stay and to root and and grow. The third one is the crowded heart, and that is the seed that falls on the ground where weeds choke out its growth. Slowly and surely, these people are busy with the cares and the riches of the world, and they just lose interest in the things of God. There's things that are in the world that can cause us to be distracted and can latch a hold of our heart, and before you know it, and don't you know you have to be intentional, that's my word, intentional, about following after the things of the Spirit, about following after God's heart, about reading the Word, about getting into prayer, about doing what you know to do to follow after the will of God, His purpose, His plan for your life. You have to be intentional, right? And so if we're not being intentional, the lack of intentionality can cause you to be wayward, and you can get caught up in your job, and you can get caught up in your bills, and you can get caught up in what, you know... Your, your relationships are saying and doing. And before you know it, you're like, oh, man, I forgot about God today. And it can happen very quickly. And that's where the enemy comes. He steals from you. He'll steal your time. He'll steal your heart. He'll steal your efforts in becoming closer. And this is not about works. The word says it's not about works lest any man should boast. But there is something that we have to do to actively be a part of a relationship with Jesus. If I never do anything in my relationship with my husband, you know, uh, Levi was asking me, well, are you doing okay without your husband? And I said, well, yeah. You know, the cool thing about my husband and I is we married when he was a little bit older. He was about 29. And I had moved out when I was 18. And so I think I I was 22. And so we were both very independent people were and still are. And so we work together because we're, we are used to that independence. Um, but, but if I never, you know, he's written me many times, I've written him many times. If we never have any kind of communication, no communing, no relational things going on, then what kind of marriage would that be? There would be no marriage, right? You have to have communing. You have to have relational things taking place. And if I'm not having that going on with with Jesus, with my relationship with him, then there's 
there's no relationship, right? And then if you're not communing with him, you're communing with something else. And we talked about this last night. Ladies, whatever you're communing with is what's going to feed the desires of your heart, and that's what's going to come out of you. And that can be good or bad. You can be communing with anger. You can be communing with uh, some regrets from your past. You know, it could be something, pornography. That's a communing, and it can, and it can produce, per, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? What? Perversion. Yes, thank you. I started to say poverty. That's not the right one. Um, you can commune with a lack of uh, uh, things in your life, lack of uh, provision. And then all, all you can think about is, you know, I'm in poverty. I'm in lack. It, whatever you're communing with is what's going to be produced in your life. And it's going to feed those desires in your heart. So it's really important that our heart is not crowded with other things. And then the fourth thing is the fruitful heart. And that's the one that we have in this house. Amen. The fruitful heart that receives the word, the seed falls on good ground, and the plants produce a rich harvest, a huge harvest like that cabbage. And it's not, it, there's no effort. It's, all it is is just getting in the word and putting the word in your heart and it, hiding it in your heart. At the, you know, the word talks about hiding the word in your heart so that I might not sin against you. Because I know what the word of God says. It, it holds me. It keeps me close to the heart of God. I wouldn't ever do anything to hurt my husband's heart because I love him. And my heart is knitted together and connected. It's the same way with God. We don't ever want to do things that would hurt his heart because we're connected to him. We're close to him. And the way we do that is we're staying in his word. His word is his will. And his word is, is his will speaking to me. Amen. So a fruitful heart that receives the word uh, the seed will fall on good ground and the plants will produce a rich harvest. So you decide your soil, not anybody else. You decide, not your spouse, not your kids, not anybody. You are the one who is in charge and responsible for the soil that you have in your heart. Amen? Simple enough, right? Okay, so the right soil will produce the right harvest. So if you do not have the harvest that you are desiring of, then maybe you might need to check your soil. Maybe you are one, two, or three. And there's no condemnation, but we do need to be aware and check what's going on in our hearts so that we can uh, have a, a, you know, we used to till the ground. And I can't even imagine having cabbage like that here in Texas. I don't think it's even possible <laughs> because the ground is not fertile. It's not soft enough. There's no way. When we moved into our house and we bought this above-ground pool, my husband bought, he rented this plow thing this big old machine he went back there you should have seen him trying to dig down in that ground <laughs> trying to hit that rock to make that hole to put that pool in it was just rock there was no way of of producing anything back there so you have to have a soft heart before him amen and i'm not getting into why your heart is not soft but you be aware of where your heart is the second thing so we believe and our believer is fed by the word of God by the faith that we receive faith comes by hearing hearing by the word we believe and then the second thing that it keeps our faith active is confession or the profession of our faith how do we become born again we believe in our heart and we confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord. And that's how we become born again. That's how we become saved. That's how we know we're going to heaven. If you have not believed in your heart and received and confessed with your mouth, then you're not going to heaven. There's only one way. It's not by works. It's not by anything else. It's by receiving Jesus into your heart and confessing him as your Lord and Savior. Amen. And so that confession is what I want to talk to you about right now. Hebrews 3, 1, it says, Therefore, holy brethren, partakers of the heavenly calling, consider the apostle 
and high priest, the apostle and the high priest, they're saying, of our confession. Who is the high priest of your confession? Jesus. Jesus is the high priest of my confession of faith. He's watching over. What is an apostle? An apostle, apostle is a sent one. What is a high priest? He's the one who is authorized to administer and execute and implement and carry into effect what I am saying. He's the high priest over my confession. Jesus is authorized to administer, to carry out on my behalf what I have been saying. The word of God says it right there. I didn't say it. The Hebrew says that he is the high priest over my confession or my profession of faith. Amen? You guys, do we agree in that? Okay, so Jesus is the high priest. So 2 Corinthians 4.13, it says, yet, this is Paul. He had gone through all this stuff. And, he, and he's talking about, you know, I've been persecuted, um, struck down, not destroyed, but I, you know, I'm pressing on, I'm pressing on. And then on down in that chapter, it says, yet we have the same spirit of faith as he who wrote, I have believed and therefore have I spoken. We too believe and therefore we speak. We believe and we speak. Two things, it's simple, believe in your heart and speak with your mouth. That's why it's why we talk so much about uh, our, our words and what we're confessing over our life and what we're saying over our life. You can come in here, we can lay hands on you, you can have, you can, you know, be blown away by the Holy Spirit. The anointing can be heavy, resting on you, within you, upon you. You go out and you say something about, you know, I believe I received my healing, and then you go out and later on you feel a little pain, you're like, maybe I didn't receive it. You just reversed what happened here when I, I remember when I traveled with Brother Hagen, we used in our, our uh, team, we used to sing a song, keep the switch of faith turned on. Use your faith to get God's power and he'll, you'll be healed this very hour. When we walked in this room, we had to switch the lights on. There was power that was readily available, but had we not flipped that switch, there was no power that was being made available until we flipped it. It didn't take a whole lot of faith, but I believe that when I flip that switch, that the lights are gonna come on because the power was available through all these wirings and whatever else is going on. So it's the same thing. It's not faith that heals you. It's not faith that heals you. It's the power of God that heals you. Faith is what accesses the power. You flip that switch of faith on and the conduit or the pipeline is opened up because you believe you're going to receive something and all of a sudden the power of God is, is there and it's available and it works and it's dynamic in its workings. Amen? And all you have to do is believe and speak. Now, I... I know some people say, well, it just, it, I believed and I've spoken and it hasn't happened. Well, those cabbages did not produce themselves after one or two days. But we planted that seed and we knew it was going to happen. It was just a matter of time. We had to wait on it. There was the waiting. The, and we confidently waited on it because we saw a little bit of a, a little green thing flopping out of there. And then a little bit more, a little bit more. And you know what else? We had done it before. We did it last year, so we knew it was going to happen again. It's the same way with our faith. God has been faithful before, and he'll do it again. We've known the Father, his care for us, and how good he's been for us before, and how he healed, and how he provided, how he saved us. We've seen him come through before, and we've heard testimonies of him coming uh, coming 
for people and bringing healing to people's lives, and we know he's going to do it again. Amen? So our faith rests not in the wisdom of men, but it's in the power of God. Amen? So this is what I want you to get, though. He, because he is the, the, the high priest of your confession, he is listening for what we are saying. Don't you think that when you would walk in uh, to a priest that they would be attentive? They're there to administer. They're there, they're there to execute something, to carry out something on your behalf. He's listening for what you're about to say. We don't have to talk uh, God into something. It's already available to us. He's waiting on us to access what's available. And faith is what accesses the power. We have to hold fast, not against God, but against the opposition that tries to steal things from us. So when we're feeling like there's kind of a warring going on, yep, there is. Because we're not in a battle, per se, because Jesus already, he already destroyed the powers of the enemy. But what the battle that we're in is the battle of faith. It's a faith battle. He's after your faith. And if you can just stand and believe, and how do you do that? The word of God. The word of God feeds your faith. Feed your faith and starve your doubts to death. Amen? So don't waste your time. Someone said this one time. Don't waste your time on not saying anything. That's a waste of time. And when I've, I've studied this, I thought, man, I, I, need to get, I need to get active in my faith. More active in my faith. I need to write some things down. I need to be saying some things every day. I encourage you, write some things down over your body. Write some, thing down, some things down over your finances, over your children, over your relationships, over your future, over the plan of God for your life. Write some things down about what the Word says. If you're dealing with some issues, you know, with life, I don't know what it is, physical issues, mental issues, whatever, write some script. Find out what the Word of God says. If you're dealing with fear, God has not given me a spirit of fear, but he's given me a spirit of power, love, and a sound mind. Safe thinking, sozo. It's a salvation. It's salvation in my mind. He has saved my mind. Amen? So, without faith, it's impossible to please God. Uh, and without faith, he has no access granted to meet our needs. So, we have to have our faith built up in the word of God um, so that we can have our faith accessed so we, we can get into the power. Amen? So if you have a need in your life, don't focus on what isn't working. Focus on what is and what does. And what does work is the word. The word is working mightily in me. Amen? And the word says he sent his word and he healed our diseases. His word heals us. Amen? So we apply the word of God. It's not enough to have a desire for something. You have to activate your faith you have to open that access to, to receive his power. Okay, so uh, Jesus demonstrated this, and this is what I wanted to show you because this was really interesting to me. Uh, in Mark 4, I never got to it. Mark 4, starting at 35. Are you good? Everybody awake? All right, we're, we're going to go quickly, so, so hang on. <laughs> Mark 4, 35 through 41. On the same day when evening had come, he said to them, Jesus said, let us go to the other side. Let's cross over to the other side. What did he say? Let us cross over. Did he say, we might be able to cross over. Let's try to cross over. No, he said, let us cross over to the other side. Now, when they had left the multitude, they took him along the boat, in the boat as, as he was, and other little boats were also with him, and a great windstorm arose, 
I'm reading out of my Bible here, but uh, I think it says a hurricane in hurricane proportion arose and the waves kept beating into the boat so that it, it was already becoming filled but he himself was in the stern of the boat asleep on a leather cushion and they awoke him and said to him master do you not care that we are perishing now let me just stop there because the thing that I noticed in this was in verse 35 he said let us go to the other side and in verse 38 Instead of them saying, Master, Master, speak to this, help us. Let's, the first thing they did was they were thinking about themselves. And what did they do? They said, don't you care about us? The moment that a storm arises and the first thing you can think about is yourself, instead of speaking to the storm or thinking about somebody else around you, you are in a victim mentality. And I'm going to tell you what, there is no answer in victim mentality. There is no way of escaping that. You cannot be thinking, what about me? What about me? When you've got Jesus, the answer, right in your boat, and you're thinking, well, well you are just going to let me perish. I know some people who have been that way before, and if you would address the situation, what it is is it's fear. It's unbelief. And so Jesus, let, let me finish reading this first. Uh, he arose and he rebuked the wind and he said, to, he said to the sea, he spoke again, hush now, be still, be muzzled. And the wind ceased. It sank to rest as if exhausted by its beating. And there were immediately, immediately a great calm. And he said to them, why are you so timid and fearful? See, he spoke to their fear. He recognized they were looking at themselves, afraid, you know, we were going to perish. But he spoke to the fear and he said, how is it that you have no faith? Here he had been teaching them and helping them. I think right before he had just fed, was it the 5,000? And they had seen miracles and miracles. And then he says, how is it that you have no faith? And they were filled with great awe and feared exceedingly and said to one another. Now, I think this fear is the healthy fear of God. I don't think this was the fear of man. This was the holy, reverential fear because it says they feared exceedingly and said to one another, who then is this, that even the wind and the seas obey him? They recognized who he was. You know why? Because they recognized the authority that he spoke in, the authority that he stood in to speak to the storm. Officers, policemen have authority. They have power, they don't have physical power to stop cars, but they represent authority. They can put their hand out, and people will listen. Hopefully, they'll listen. And that's because they represent authority. That's what we have. We have the authority. Jesus said, I give you the authority to speak to demons, to, to raise the dead, to open blind eyes. I give it to you. I don't have the power, but I have the authority to access the power. The power is from the Holy Spirit. Amen? And so it's important that we don't get in fear over our situation. We are built up in faith by the word that's been planted in the good soil of our heart. And then we're able to deliver faith. We're able to switch that, that faith light on and access the power that's available to us. You get it? Okay, so um, let me move on. Let me move on. Okay. The moment he tried to lead them by faith, they turned to victims. Victim mentality is always fear-based. It is not trusting God. It is not looking forward. It's selfish. It's looking at the problem and not the answer. Who was right there in the boat with them? Jesus. 
As long as you're more concerned about yourself, you'll never be able to see the answer that's right in front of you. Selfishness blinds your eyes. It, it, it puts a veil over your ears. You don't hear anything right. You don't see anything right. And it's not God because God is love. And he's a giving God. Everything about him is, is selfless. It's laying his life down. So self never has eyes to see in the spirit realm. Self has blinders on and is more moved by the storm than by faith. Disciples, they went into the blame game. Jesus spoke to the storm first, and then he dealt with their unbelief thereafter. Okay, so moving on, you, you saw that part. So Mark 5, 1, it says, then he says, uh, the scripture says, then they came to the other side, just as he said, let us go to the other side of the sea, to the region of, uh, I forget how you say that, Jareth, how do you say it? I forget. Jesus, Jesus said, let's go to the other side. So they went to the other side. Mark 5, 2. And as soon as he got out of the boat, there met him. Uh, oh, it slipped my mind. I'm, I'm, now I'm trying to figure out how to say that in my head. There met him out of the tombs, a man under the power of an unclean spirit. You guys know this story, right? So first of all, I just want to say, when you get through the storm, there's purpose on the other side. That's not about you. There was a reason they needed to get to the other side because this man needed deliverance. So realize that if you're going through something right now, it's not just about what you're going through. It's about what you're learning through it and what you're growing in it. And your faith is developing in the midst of it. And on the other side, you're going to be able to help somebody. There's always purpose in your pain. I hate to say it like that, but there is. There's always purpose in your pain. You can always help somebody on the other side of the victory. Amen? Okay, so where was I? Uh... Okay, so three, this man continually lived among the tombs, and no one could subdue him anymore, even with a chain. So he had been bound often with shackles for the, for the feet and the handcuffs, but the handcuffs uh, and the chains he wrenched apart, the shackles he rubbed uh, and ground together and broken pieces, blah, blah, um, Night and day he was in the tombs and the mountains. He was always shrieking and screaming and beating and bruising and cutting himself. You guys realize that's not normal. <laughs> he was being tormented. And when from a distance he saw Jesus, he ran and fell on his knees before him in homage. He worshiped him. Isn't that interesting? That he was uncontrollable and he was being tormented so much before. But with the moment that he saw Jesus, he had to run to him and worship him. Now, I, see, I think he was going in and out because he was being controlled. He, he was wanting to worship Jesus. But then it says, and crying out with a loud voice, he said, what have you to do with me, Jesus, son of the most high God? I think that was the devil speaking up from him. Because here he is worshiping, and then he says, what do you have to do with me? Uh, what is there common between us? I solemnly implore you by God, do not begin to torment me. Now, this puzzled me because I thought, wait a minute. You've been tormented all this time, cutting yourself, screaming, yelling, can't even keep clothes on. You're, you're crazy, man. And then you're saying to Jesus, don't begin to torment me. This, of course, was the demons speaking. Don't torment me because they did not want to be let out. And I won't go into it, but if you read in, this, in the scripture, I believe it's in uh, 517, and there's another place where it talks about the region, that they, the region was filled. And they, didn't, uh, they began to beg Jesus to leave their region because I believe, and you guys know this, that we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, powers, and rulers of the darkness. I believe these were principalities and powers that had a hold of this region. And this man was 
in full blown, and it says, I think it's 6,000 legions. When he said, what is your name? He said, my name is Legion. And it was like 6,000 men, the strength of 6,000 men. That's crazy. You know he had to be, had to been uh, tormented and possessed for a very long time. I don't know if any of y'all have seen anybody that's been possessed before. And I know this is not talked about in church a whole lot. We talk about it. But I'm just going to tell you, behind a whole lot of people that are in bondage, it's not that they're demon-possessed, but it is a de demonic force and a principality, a ruler of the darkness that might be, like Dr. Summer used to say, they'd sit on their shoulder and, and like a little monkey and just whisper. And so if there's some things in your life that, you know, I don't want to scare anybody, but you might just say, I renounce that in Jesus' name. I renounce that fear in Jesus' name. It has no hold on me. I'm not under the curse. I'm not under my hereditary curses. I've been free from those things, those family things, just because my mom was this way, my aunt was this way, my grandpa was this way. Well, I got it too. No, you don't have to have those things. And if you're watching me online, you need to rebuke those things that are in your family line, those curses. You don't have to act like your grandpa and whoever else that acted like a crazy person and was addicted to alcohol. You don't have to give in to those things. You have a new bloodline, a new DNA, and that's the bloodline of Jesus. Amen? So, praise God. So, moving on to uh, verse 5, 8, and 10. For Jesus was commanding. He was saying, come out of this man, you unclean spirit. And he asked him, what is your name? That's where he said all that. Um, what I wanted to say, what I wanted to bring out in this is Jesus spoke again to the demon and commanded him to leave. He didn't beg him. He didn't ask him. He spoke to it. He rebuked it and said, come out in the name of Jesus. You will not stay there. You will not have, you will not torment. Of course, you guys know the story. Uh, they, he sent them off into the pigs. And there were, I think, 2,000 of them. And they were so crazy that they threw themselves over the edge. And uh, they all died uh, because it was a crazy situation. <laughs> but Jesus spoke. He believed he could. He spoke to the situation. Now, you might say, well, that was Jesus. That was the Son of God. Well, we have that same spirit on the inside of us. We have that same authority. We have the same thing that he had. It's been given to us. Amen? We just need to believe and speak. Amen? Okay. So, the, the next thing was interesting to me, because if you read on down Mark 5, 22, let's see. Mark 5.22, it says, Behold, one of the rulers of the synagogue came, and Jairus by name, and he, when he saw him, he fell at Jesus' feet, and he begged him earnestly, saying, My little daughter lies at the point of death. Come and lay your hands on her, that she will be healed, and she will live. What did that man say? She will live if you come and lay your hand. He said something because he believed something. He believed that she would be healed. So there was faith in action. So Jesus is on his way, and I'm just going to give you my, my uh, quick, short uh, idea of the story. He's on his way to go heal Jairus' daughter, and on the way there, there's a crowd, and he's being pressed by many, many people, and all of a sudden, there's a woman there with the issue of blood. The word says she had spent all she had on doctors, and I think it was like 12 years, and she was having terrible problems, and it was just desperate, hopeless. But she had heard about Jesus. And the scripture says, let's, let me see if I can find it here. It's in uh, 
says she had suffered many things from physicians. She had spent all she had had but was no better but grew worse. And verse 27 says, And when she heard about Jesus, she came behind him in the crowd and touched his garment. For she said, for she said, she said something. She said, I, if only I can touch his clothes, I shall be made well. Immediately, the fountain of her blood was dried up and she felt in her body that she was healed of the affliction. And Jesus immediately knew that power, another translation says virtue, came out of him. And then he says, who touched my clothes? Of course, the disciples said, what do you mean? There's people all around touching you. And he knew the difference. He knew, he recognized the virtue had flowed out of him because her faith had switched that light on and made available the power of God. And he knew the power had released from him. And he said, who touched my clothes? And she said, he said, daughter, he didn't say my faith. He didn't say the faith of God. He said, your faith. Your faith has made you will. Go in peace and be healed of this affliction. Now, a couple things I want to just point out in this. It's interesting to me that he's on his way to heal Jairus' daughter. And all of a sudden, he's in a crowd and somebody touches him because they've got faith on, ready to receive from that pipeline the power of the Holy Spirit, the power of God to touch her body and be made well. Faith was there. It was it was. It was shouting out for him to access the power to her, to give the power to her. And so he interrupted his mission to Jairus' daughter because somebody had faith to receive from him. I'm going to just tell you, when there's faith evident in the room and you've got faith to receive from God, God will do whatever he needs to do to get to you. But a lot of times I think we're just in this doubt and unbelief or in this waiting place or we're just thinking it's just going to happen someday and we really don't have our faith activated. We've got to get into that place where we know that, that, that faith is, is available to us, but the power of God is here to heal the sick, to restore, to, to lift people up out of wheelchairs, to bring people back to life. I know a man, a friend of ours in Ohio, he brought a friend of ours when they were on the mission field back to life. The man had died. He spoke to his body and commanded him to come back into life in the name of Jesus, and he did. And so I'm just telling you, it's not just about a waiting thing. It's about us having an activated power in us through the faith of God, through our putting the word of God in the soil of our heart and speaking over it's like watering it's like watering that seed it's speaking over it it's using it's taking the word and watering that seed and it's fertilizing that seed and it's knowing that I I may not see it tomorrow but I'm expectant with faith and patience we wait we are expectant that we will see God's goodness amen that we will see it is this helping you Okay, so there was a demonstration of her faith that flowed from her mouth because she kept saying, she kept saying. Okay, so Jesus, uh, no, I said that already. Okay, so Mark 5, 35, and while he was still speaking, there came from the ruler's house who said to Jairus, your daughter has died. Why, brother, why bother and distress the teacher any further? Overhearing but ignoring what they said, Jesus said to the ruler of the synagogue, do not be seized with alarm and struck with fear. Only keep believing. See? 
he spoke to the believer because he realized that there was some doubt and unbelief that had snuck in. So he encourages him to stay in faith, keep the switch of faith turned on. In Mark 5.37, he says, and he permitted no one to accompany him except Peter, James, John, the brother of James. Make note, only faith was allowed in the room. He already recognized the fear and unbelief on those people. And those were the family members. When my sister-in-law, Trina, was in the hospital and she had an inoperable tumor, my brother-in-law put a sign on the door, no doubt allowed. They would not, he would not allow the, the doctors and nurses to come in and give any kind of you know, doctor's report. This is what the test results are. This is what we think. He didn't allow doubt and unbelief words in the room. She had her guitar. She sang praises. And you guys know the rest of the story. They went back and did testing and never found the tumor, and she never had to have surgery. So, oh, they did go in a ring. I thought they didn't, but they never found it. They never found it. That's probably why they went in to make sure, and they never found it. Well, I like the end of the story. Sorry, I, I said it wrong. But praise God, yeah, no, no, no fear, no unbelief allowed. Okay. So then, uh, where was I? Matthew, I'm sorry, Mark 5, 37. Uh, only faith allowed, 38. And when they arrived at the house of the ruler of the synagogue, he looked carefully and with understanding at the, at the tumult and the people weeping and wailing loudly. All that is is fear. And when he had gone in, he said to them, why do you make such an uproar and weep? The little girl is not dead, but she's sleeping. So then again, he confronted their fear. Once again, their unbelief. He confronted it. And in verse 40, he says, They laughed and they jeered at him, but he put them all out. I love that. Can you imagine Pastor Steve and I going up to a hospital room and somebody has died and we said, There's, you know, we're here to lay hands on her. She's just sleeping. And the family starts crying, getting upset because we were late. She's dead. Too late. You're late. And we said, Get out. <laughs> Do you know how much persecution we'd receive? <laughs> But Jesus pushed them out of the room because he recognized they were in unbelief and doubt. And, he, and it says, and taking the child's father and mother and those who were with him, the mother and father went in there where the little girl was lying and gripping her firmly by the hand, he said to her, I don't know how to say that, Talitha Kumi, which is translated little girl, I say to you, arise from the sleep of death. And she was, she was healed. So I just want to encourage you. We're right at 8 o'clock, but I want to encourage you with this. There's believing, and the belief has to come through the Word of God. And I want to tell you, you can eat a big, big meal on Monday. You might feel completely full or on Sunday. And then by the next day, you're going to want something else, right? How many have ever eaten a big, huge meal and thought, I can't eat another bite? Thanksgiving. And then... Thanksgiving, y'all are like us. You probably eat Thanksgiving like 12 ones so that you can have leftovers by five or six. That's what we do. We plan it so we can have leftovers again. You can't possibly feel like you're going to be able to eat again. But boy, howdy, five, six, six o'clock rolls around. You're pulling those leftovers out. Everybody's pulling them out. And I'm like, oh, here we go again. You know why? Because you have to have supplement. You have to have supply. Your body is in need, and it's the same way with your spirit. You might come in here on Sunday. You might come in here on Wednesday and get filled up and, and be fed, but I'm telling you tomorrow you're going to need some more. 
You know why? Because you have to be reminded. You have to feed your faith. If you're not feeding your faith, then you're feeding your unbelief. Because there has, because the world is going to feed your unbelief big time, especially if you're on TV watching the news and stuff. But you have got to feed your faith and starve your doubts. So that way, when you're believing God for something, your faith is there. It's resting. It's confident in who God. And you don't, you can't believe in anything if you don't know what He said. You got to have an understanding. I don't understand everything about God, but at least I have a glimpse of some things through the Word. I can look into the Word and see what He says. Amen. And there, there's something amazing when we get into the Word of God and we behold Him. There's a change. There's a transformation that takes place. There's a renewing of our mind, the Word says. It says not to not conform to this world, but be renewed, uh, transformed by the renewing of the Word, or renewing your mind with the Word of God. And so that's why it's so important for us. we got to have it daily, just like you're eating daily, just like you're drinking water daily. I don't know how many days is it, what is it, three, four days you can go without water and then you die? You got to have water. You got to have food, supplements to be able to maintain life. And it's the same way with your spirit. Your spirit has to be fed. And so two things to keep your faith active. Believe, feed your believer with the word of God. Make sure your heart is receptive with faith and patience we receive from him. And then we, and while we're waiting, we're, we're speaking and declaring the word of God. You got to know what the word says to speak it and declare it. And I just want to encourage you and I want to direct you to uh, our app has some confessions. I don't know if y'all have ever seen that on there, but Pastor Steve spends a lot of time on our, on our app putting things in there for your benefit. It's not for his benefit. It's for you to have access, quick access to what you need especially if you're going through something, you get a bad report, whatever it is, you can get online there. There's a whole list of confessions. I think his mom actually put them together, and we transferred them over onto our app. And I'm telling you, if you'll, and you got to say it out loud. There's something about your spirit man hearing. You can read in, inside your head all you want to, but when you're speaking, your body's hearing it. Your, your heart is hearing it, you're declaring, and you're saying it out loud. And you know who else is hearing it? The devil. <laughs> he hears it. You're taking a stand against him. Amen? So that's what we do. When the enemy tries to come and he comes in like a flood, the Spirit of the Lord will raise a standard against him. And we do that with the Word of God. Amen? So we believe and we speak, and we'll see We'll see what we've been believing for. We'll see a manifestation of the power of God in our lives. Amen? So I hope that helps somebody. Praise the Lord.